Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm your host, Craig Tuttle, and we're here to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. Now, last week, I had the point person for broadband in Salisbury, North Carolina, uh, talking about their 10 gigabit network. Uh, and then a couple days later, like literally, here comes Chattanooga with its 10 gig announcement. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, what city's going to pop in this week, but I figured I should get the folks again uh, from Chattanooga to talk about their latest development. Uh, in fact, the, um, the mayor of Chattanooga was here on the show uh, in August, and uh, no hint that, that, that this was coming down the pike. Um, and so it's been really interesting keeping up with what's going on uh, in Chattanooga. And I have uh, today uh, our guest, Don Plush, who is the um, EPB Public Relations Coordinator. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And in case you didn't know, EPB is the public utility for Chattanooga that built and manages the network. John, welcome to the show. Craig, thank you for having me, and thanks for this opportunity to talk about Chattanooga. We really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. Sorry about the cough there. Um, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I should like rename my show to uh, Gigs, uh, you know, Ten Gig City of the Week here. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been um, <clears throat> a pretty much a uh, whirlwind of this uh, this sudden uh, surge of the the ten gig, and I'm sure it's even more crazy for you guys. So how how did you guys get here? Has this been in the works works for a long time, or is this a recent uh, development? Well, Craig, uh, Chattanooga is fortunate in that the community invested in the infrastructure uh, beginning in 2008 uh, with the construction of the Smart Grid, a fiber optic based uh, network that uh, was built to essentially manage our electric system and to reduce power outages. And uh, in doing so, we realized that if we built a system that was robust enough, that was future-proof, if you will, we could also support communications directly to homes or businesses. Um, And it also came at a time in the 2000s when we realized that as a medium-sized city in the United States, the uh, incumbent providers, uh, frankly, uh, were not really interested in investing in improving the Internet infrastructure in our community. So we uh, moved forward with that project. So we built uh, a very robust, very future-proof fiber network, uh, 8,000 miles of fiber, and uh, as I mentioned, the word future-proof, so its capabilities uh, were uh, virtually limitless, and it was really a matter of, of how can we uh, help develop uh, the electronics, the hardware, if you will, that could support uh, tremendous speeds uh, in the future. And where we are now this year, uh, we were already in the process of upgrading our network uh, to make that next step. Uh, We began offering the one gigabit uh, service uh, back in 2010, so we've been doing it for five years. And so we came at a time, as I said, that we were upgrading, and it seemed uh, now is a great time. So, you know, a lot of people have asked why. Well, we ask why not. Um, Chattanooga, again, is fortunate that we have the capability. Why not do it now? Um, Because we know that there are people that are that are developing applications that are developing new businesses uh that that need that type of uh bandwidth but also looking to the future you know it's it's about laying the foundation to the future okay now did you say that you guys have um um 8 miles of fiber or did I get that 8, number 8000 miles 7000 yeah, 8000 okay and it's a seven it's a 600 square mile area that that the that EPB covers. That is correct. So uh, it's basically uh, the territory that we serve with electric power, and this uh, includes uh, portions of nine counties. Uh, the main county being Hamilton County, which is the city of Chattanooga proper, 
but there are also uh, three counties in the upper northwest Georgia, uh, and then another five uh, parts of five counties surrounding the Chattanooga area that we are able to uh, provide the service. So when we talk about 10 gig availability, uh, that's ubiquitous. So that would be from some of your large manufacturers or some of your uh, people that have bought uh, high-end housing downtown uh, to the chicken farmers uh, way out in the sticks, if you will, that are in the rural areas. Um, this connectivity is available to, to all of our customers up to 10 gigs. Very interesting de development and stuff. And um, I think that if you look at a lot of the uh, networks, the community networks that are in place, <clears throat> a lot of the public utilities decided that the fiber was a good part of the um, infrastructure, and in cases, you know, they they upgrading the, the the network into into fiber networks and so forth. But once you create the um, the infrastructure to drive the service, the electricity service, then you're in better shape than if you had sort of started out with the idea of building a you know, a broadband network. I mean, both politically and financially and so forth, um, and also the ability to actually build the network not in, you know, sort of being in the in the the, the, the fishbowl kind of and thing. So you basically can get work done and then you swap you step out and there it is. And um and that's which I pretty much as I you know see as as Chattanooga's um case. Right, right. Well, fiber is definitely the technology to go with in terms of its resiliency. It is robust. Uh, it has uh, capability to be expanded. Uh, you know, when we're looking at the smart grid, uh, there are a number of ways that that can be done. Um, of course, one of them is with RF technology or radio technology where you use uh, uh, radios essentially to uh, broadcast data from point to point. And while that is possible, uh, you just don't get the speed. You don't have the capabilities that you would with fiber. Uh, you also have some problems where weather can uh, can interfere with those signals. So fiber is, is definitely the way to go. Um, what's really unique about Tennessee is that there are seven fiber optic communities where there are seven uh, municipal utility providers that have uh, engaged uh, in high-speed broadband with the deployment of fiber optics. And the great news about uh, Tennessee fiber optic cities is that um, their business models are also doing very well. Um, some of them use smart grid technology. Others, uh, it's just a communications type uh, network. But uh, they're all uh, successful businesses. Uh, they're paying down uh, the debt that uh, that they took on to build the networks through the revenues they're generating. But what's really interesting is that all the areas outside of these seven cities, so, for example, areas outside of Chattanooga, many of these areas are, are dramatically underserved when it comes to Internet access where they may have dial-up and the only alternative would be satellite. Uh, and, of course, those services are very slow. Satellite can be very expensive. And those outlying communities are realizing that if they're going to grow uh, their local economies, if they're going to create jobs, uh, attract new industries and new businesses, uh, dial-up is just not going to cut it. Uh, and there have been numerous requests from people in outlying communities uh, to the public utilities in Tennessee that offer fiber and to elected officials to please uh, change the laws and to allow municipal providers to fill that gap where the incumbent uh, telecoms are, are either not serving or, or don't have plans to serve for some years, but uh, the municipals stand ready to fill that gap and to help our neighbors uh, grow uh, from an economic uh, perspective and also from a quality of life perspective. You know, a lot of people are finding out that if you're going to start a business at home or if you're going to attract a, uh, a good business to your community, uh, one of the top five uh, things that those businesses look at is, is there high-speed broadband? You just can't run a business nowadays on dial-up or on slow Internet. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Is there? I've gotten the impression that over the last six or seven years, probably longer, is that given the um, <clears throat> economic situation, the number of people losing jobs, that kind of thing, that the entrepreneur, especially the home-based entrepreneur, has um, increased dramatically because mm-hmm. there isn't, you know, nine-to-five work, then you almost have no choice but to start your own gig as a way to um, cope. And mm-hmm. I would think that with that dynamic, then the uh, introduction of a broadband network, and you start, you know, talking about 100 gigs and, oh, I'm sorry, uh, 100 megs and then a gig and all of that, um, you're this going to go hand in hand with the economic changes are going to be, you know, now the technology changes and it grows. And so subsequently, as a result, we should see a boom of sorts of just the home-based entrepreneur. Absolutely. You know, we're seeing an exp- uh, uh, the growth of uh, people working from home uh, just really take off. And that even includes our business here at EPB uh, with our customer service uh uh, and customer relations department, where we have a growing number of uh, customer service agents who are now working from home, who have uh, we've established uh, uh, connectivity with their homes so that they can do everything that they need to do for our customers from home. Um, and there are a number of benefits to that. Obviously, there are some personal benefits for people uh, who wish to work at home. But uh, our customer service agents are also our first responders, if you will. So, say at two o'clock at night. <coughs> Pardon me, and we get a really nasty storm, which you know happens quite frequently here in the southeast. Uh, and there are some outages. Uh, those uh, home-based customer service uh, agents are able to literally jump out of bed in their pajamas, get on the phone, get on the computer, and start working with our customers right away. Uh, so they don't have to, you know, get ready, shower up, drive into work, make that commute drive through hazardous weather conditions, you know, we have a team that's that's ready to deploy and to add to uh the number of customer service agents available uh, you know, within the blink of an eye. Uh in terms of the home based businesses, you're absolutely right. People are finding out that um that uh they're passionate about certain things. They want to do that as a business and by doing that from home, uh that's the answer. And this is where the upgraded network by us being able to provide up to 10 gigs uh, to the home uh, comes into play, where we're now uh, people that are entrepreneurs that wish to work from home, uh, they now have the ability to compete with the the big companies, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, other area that I think, or I'm assuming, you can tell me, is um, also telemedicine. And Absolutely. In general, because I believe there's a there's a gentleman there, a doctor, who has this radiology business. Um, yes, Dr. Jim Bush. From, yes, that's the one. That's the one because he came in from yes. Boston. Um, yes. What's what? Tell us a little bit about his story because I don't know if other people know about this or not. Absolutely. Well, uh, he uh, and his father uh, are both radiologists, and they work with cutting-edge technology uh, using PET CT scans, uh, MRI, uh, various uh, types of medical imaging. And uh, what they're able to do is to, say, if a patient presents with certain types of symptoms, uh, they can get a scan, and immediately uh, during the time of that scan, the radiologist can identify, you know, if there are some certain issues that need immediate attention. But more importantly, now with this type of connectivity that that Dr. Bush uh, has had with us through the through the gigabit and now soon to be ten to be gigabit connection, he can transfer, he can upload and download those uh, very large files uh, immediately uh, to another physician or to uh, a hospital here in this area and work with other physicians to make an accurate diagnosis and to uh, recommend uh, immediate courses of treatment. So it, it certainly is a time saver. 
uh, and it is something that has really uh, taken off, especially with imaging. But I also want to point out along the area of telemedicine, uh, one of the uh, startups to, to really get going here in Chattanooga is a company called We Council. And they have found that um, through uh, a need of uh, greater access uh, to behavioral health, they have essentially uh, brought the doctor to home, if you will, by offering telemedicine um, with their applications uh, for customers, which really helps because with behavioral science, um, there were a couple of barriers there. Number one, uh, the, the availability of professionals uh, is a little less than you would have, say, with, with other medical professionals. So there's some travel time involved. Uh, it also eliminates the stigma. Uh, some people uh, may feel uncomfortable sitting in a waiting room uh, at a counselor's office, you know, being seen by other people. And this mm-hmm. offers uh, discreet in-home services uh, where a behavioral uh, health specialist can work with clients that way. And everything we're also reading about industry trends is that um, we're getting into an era where we're looking at the return of the home visit, if you will. So say uh, you're at home and, and you're feeling under the weather and, and you know, you'd know rather not go into a hospital or go into a uh, an urgent care uh, facility to be seen. Uh, you could be seen uh, by a physician or a physician assistant uh, via telemedicine. Uh, and, and in many cases, the patient's needs can be assessed and uh, and handled that way versus making a trip in. So th- that's really where we see uh, uh, one of the uh, the big advantages of having uh, up to 10 gig connectivity is is with telemedicine. Right, and in fact, I wrote a report just a couple of weeks ago, um, which is um, it's on my website uh, cjspeaks.com, and <clears throat> I define uh, four categories, one of them being um, uh, medical and healthcare related, um, is when we hit the, po- hit the point where um, we can do home-based medicine um, mm-hmm. in all of its various ca- um, capacities, mm-hmm. there are people who are willing to fund that solution, and mm-hmm. so people are looking about, well, how can I raise money, you know, as a small community or even a bigger community, uh, how can we raise the money to build a network, and I say, well, instead of us getting, a, I get focused on, well, we got to go to, you know, a federal agency, what we got to do with, um, with, a, with a bond measure or something, look at who is um, funding these various solutions uh, in the healthcare area, and go to them and make the case for um, getting their network underwritten. Now, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I sort of put this out as a, um, you know, no, not we haven't seen a lot of it yet. <clears throat> you know, but do you think that that uh, is a logical thought process that we change up how we get money? by looking at the needs that we're meeting with the broadband and subsequently now we find no new ways of getting that, that money. Sure. Well, I think by having that type of connectivity, I think uh, the world is, 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 is wide open in terms of opportunities that are available, uh, which is what we're seeing uh, here in Chattanooga. And I mentioned We Council, but, but people who have uh, interest in providing health care uh, and, and innovating uh, health care with new applications that you know, we may even not even think of right now, um, the opportunities are there now to, to use this network and to create things, to create not only the products and the applications themselves, but the funding mechanisms. Um, you know, you, you've got uh, uh, numerous ways uh, through the Internet where uh, people can uh, have access to and learn about uh, creative ways to finance those type of things. And again, this is all because of uh, Internet access. Right. And and one of the things um, uh, I have talked about in the last year, 10 years that I've been following, you know, first the Muni Wi-Fi stuff and then broadband and, you know, this whole gigabit city thing is that um, a guy in, in Philadelphia 
who was involved with their uh, attempt to try to have a network. And he describes, uh, you know, there are two ways that you can look at, you know, developing the value and capability for uh, broadband. Um, you can look at it as the problem-solving focus, in which case it's like, I have this problem, let me fix the problem and then go away, right? So at that, mm-hmm. what kind of activity you get is, okay, we're going to now build this network and people will stop complaining and so we'll do it and we'll throw it out there and be done with it. <clears throat> that's like mm-hmm. the, 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 the um, problem solving. But he said, you know, if we did a creation theory uh, approach where what are we able to create with this technology? And then you start to open up all these various uses, and then once you develop all of these uses, you now have that one more customers um, because you sh- you show how they can use it in these different creative ways, but then also that's where you find your money, um, mm-hmm. you know, for funding it because it's one thing to say I need to build a you know a network because Chattanooga is doing it you know, if you're in another city. Um, it's a different thing to say we're creating these killer new applications or uses of technology and we need money to do that. And then people say, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, I, can, I can see that working. Um, you know, what's your take on this, you know, uh, problem solving versus uh, creation uh, approach? Well, they they sort of go hand-in-hand because as you create, um, you identify problems or, you know, I like to call them opportunities uh, as you go. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, in other words, it's it's not that you're trying to, uh, you know, reach a certain goal and then stop, but then, you know, you innovate uh, and then you figure out ways to uh, enable, to make things happen. So, for example, when you talk about uh, funding things such as medical applications once you have a network there. Um, honestly, before you can innovate and create new solutions, you have to have a platform or an environment where you can do that. You have to have right. you know, a, a living lab, if you will, which is one of the things that uh, the Oak Ridge National Laboratory uh, has identified and Chattanooga's uh, fiber network is they're now working here in town with the ORNL uh, engineers to take this tremendous amount of data that, that that is generated by the smart grid uh, and to figure out what to do with it and, and then to say, you know, how do we create the the electric distribution system of the future and how do we create all of the things in our lives that integrate uh, with the electric system or with the communication system. So I think it really starts with building that platform, building that lab, building the network that will enable that type of innovation uh, so that people can be free to discover uh, and to find solutions. Um, and it's really about networking. I was having a conversation with someone here at EPB uh, just this morning about the concept of what you're talking about, of creating and innovating. And if you really look at uh, at the United States uh, over the last few hundred years, you know, in the 19th century, what drove uh, development of communities and, and and local economies were railroads. And right, then, right. you know, 100 years later, you had the development of the electric grid. And now we have, in the 21st century, uh, ultra-high-speed broadband. And basically what they're doing is the same thing. It's it's connecting people. It's connecting ideas. It's connecting uh, uh, people with capital, with people with ideas. Um, so we're, we're, we're essentially doing what we've been doing in the United States, but we're now using a 21st century platform to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and let me ask this question. You know, we're talking about the platform. Um, how much of a uh, investment, you know, in rough terms, uh, mm-hmm. was it to move from a one gig network to a ten gig network? Okay, very interesting question. We've had capabilities of, uh, and we've utilized uh, ten gigabit extensively already. Um, so really it was just a matter of scaling up our access equipment 
um, to account for the new cards and software that were needed as customers were added. Um, so essentially, the, the major investment was in the fiber optic network, uh, which we started building in 2008, and mm -hmm. we're able to complete within three years. And so essentially what we have now is is upgrading some of the equipment on the network to make that 10 gigabit connectivity ubiquitous. Uh, and that's been the real challenge uh, using the uh, uh, NGPON2 platform, which uh, Alcatel Lucent has, has helped develop. Uh, but, but again, you know, the system has been capable of doing that. It's been done uh, in certain applications point to point. But the challenge was how do we make that available to everyone? So that means every residence, and, and that's what we were able to solve. Uh, and it took quite a bit of work, but uh, in terms of the amount of the investment, um, it's really minimal now uh, in comparison to the investment that was made in the system a few years ago. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, which I, I sort of I sort of figured um, that. Uh, so, in terms of um, the need, mm -hmm. was there any perceived need by um, either businesses or particularly at the residential level? Were people asking for more speed? Not maybe not necessarily, you know, putting a quantitative. You know, I need ten big gigs tomorrow. But are, yeah. is there a general? Uh, uh, I don't know. A, a either assumption or an actual out request saying, you know, we need more more speed. Well, it kind of goes back to five years ago when we launched the gig. Um, at that time, a lot of people were saying, you know, who needs the gig? Nobody needs that type of connectivity. Well, in just five years, uh, we've seen that by offering uh, that type of speed, uh, there has been so much innovation that has been the result of that speed. Uh, and in terms of job creation and, and economic and social benefits, they've been tremendous. Uh, there was a recent study that was released by Bento Lobo. He is a professor of uh, finance at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. And he found that uh, from 2011 to 2015, in those four years, this fiber network uh, has basically uh, created uh, at least $865 million in value for economic uh, and social benefits. So, you know, we've realized that need, and which brings us up to now. Well, the system was capable of doing that. We figured out how to make 10 gig ubiquitous. So now it's essentially it's it's an open playground. You know, come on, kids, let's go, let's play. <laughs> and that's kind of an interesting analogy there. But um, it wasn't so much as a need uh, that that customers and homes were saying that. It was more of a matter of, you know, we can do this. We have the network thing to do this, so why not? So I think what we're going to see here in the next few years coming up is that a lot of people are going to take advantage of that, and they are going to create and innovate from their homes uh, and uh, from their businesses. Uh, and I believe it's it's going to be the same story we'll be telling in five years from now that we are telling now about the gig, that people are using it. Um, we have over 6,400 uh, gig customers right now um, who have signed up for the gig. And uh, I do know that we've got a couple of uh, folks uh, already that uh, have expressed interest in 10 gig. And uh, we are in the process of working with a couple of uh, customers on those projects for their homes. Mm -hmm. Then um, as we move up, you know, forward, uh, one of the questions... Um, but not a question, but uh, the mayor in the August interview talked about um, getting uh, a program underway that mm -hmm. makes 100 gigs available for um, 20, what, $26 or, uh, a month. For yeah, you're speaking of the uh, NetBridge program. Yeah, that's, that's uh, we're, yeah. It's, it's 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 a program for families who have children enrolled in free or reduced lunch programs in Hamlin County Schools, uh, and that is a product that if they qualify, it would be for uh, twenty six ninety nine a month. Okay. Um, 
and so how has that? I mean, it was, it was literally it was like the day he was on the show was I guess the day they 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 launched it. Yes. And yeah. Do you guys have any kind of feed, uh, feedback or data about how well this is being received? I mean, understanding that it's, it's still early, early, early in the program. Mm-hmm. It is very early in the program. I can tell you that we have about 250 families who are signed up so far. Um, we have other families who have applied. Uh, so it is uh, at, at the moment it's limited to Hamilton County schools. Uh, there was a challenge. Uh, in offering this in other counties and school districts, especially in the Georgia counties, uh, where they have um, certain laws that prohibit uh, the distribution of, of personal information. And, and by that I mean in order to qualify, uh, the parents have to have uh, certified documentation from their school district that their child is enrolled in that program. Uh, and some school districts are reluctant to release that information uh, you know, under privacy laws that are in effect in those states. But, uh, again, we do have 250 uh, now, uh, and it is very early. You're right. And the application process uh, went through uh, September 20th, and we'll have other enrollment periods uh, uh, in the near future as well. Mm -hmm. Now, in the area of sort of the digital inclusion uh, across Mm -hmm. the board, um, I have had a general sense of, you know, uh, Chattanooga is making um, strides in this area, but can you kind of give us an eye, you know, some sp- specific things that um, the, the community, uh, the city uh, are doing to um, to drive or improve or increase uh, digital inclusion? Yeah, that's a great question because Chattanooga is a great community in that it has recognized um, the challenge to close the digital divide. And, and that's really um, where we're going on a number of fronts. And what's fortunate about our community is we have a number of agencies and organizations that are working with that. Uh, number one, technology goes home, uh, which is working specifically with children um, who are on the other side, whose families are on the other side of that digital divide, to provide them uh, not only the the means, which is through reduced priced uh, laptops, but also the education to become uh, digitally literate, um, just to ensure that as 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 young children grow up, uh, they know how to make the most of the internet to research, uh, to take advantage of things uh, online such as Khan Academy. So technology goes home uh, is a great partner there. Also, uh, our community college, Chattanooga State Community College, offers a number of programs um, for young adults and and older adults to help them become computer literate, to help them uh, become engaged with all of the opportunities that are available online. We have a great Tennessee Career Center, which offers uh, programs as well for adults, especially those that... Uh, were laid off in particular industries, and the reality is is that they have to become computer literate. Um, they have to learn how to use technology for simple things such as finding jobs, um, doing resumes and whatnot. Uh, Tennessee Career Center has been outstanding there. We also have the AIM Center, AIM, mm-hmm. and they work with people that have uh, behavioral and mental health disabilities um, to be able to engage with technology online to help improve their quality of life, uh, whether it's just in the home or whether it's to uh, to build a career as well. And, uh, of course, I could not leave out the Chamber of Commerce's incubator. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a small business development center, and their goal is to work with startups from, uh, from the get-go, uh, from everything from being online and being engaged with, with all the opportunities that are online to providing them with uh, very affordable uh, locations in which they can actually work. So um, there are several agencies that are working with that digital divide. Um, we, of course, recognize that. And, of course, EPB is committed to closing that uh, digital divide in our community uh, and ultimately, we hope, uh, by assisting uh, communities just outside of our borders uh, that don't have high-speed broadband. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, you, know, you talked about the, 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 the um, business uh, um, 
uh, incubator. Um, mm-hmm. As part of their program, uh, the teaching of computer literacy, um, because in um, in Seattle, they had an issue where they basically got a lot of the, the merchants in a particular area really revved up to um, you know to get this broadband in place, and mm-hmm. then what they discovered was a divide of sorts between older um, merchants um, mm-hmm. as opposed to younger, and that they what they discovered was they hadn't prepared themselves to train uh, older smart people who just didn't have computer literacy, and they mm-hmm. had. And a f- very quickly had to uh, deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. Is that part of the, uh, the? I don't know if you know or not, but the, is the the, the um, incubator, you know, going to address that as well as you know getting people revved about you know we should now have you know, using this technology, but mm-hmm. the to use the technology. Absolutely. Uh, for example, with the incubator, um, uh, they actually connect people uh, who are trying to start a business with uh, mentors. You know, people in our community oh, who have spent decades in their lives building a business or running a business, uh, running a manufacturing facility, uh, people in finance, people in IT, people, again, who are well-seasoned in those uh, areas, uh, they provide mentorship with the clients in the incubator. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have great ideas about starting a business. Uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fear, uh, and, and some can be intimidated by all the things they need to learn. Uh, whether it's you know how to read an Excel spreadsheet uh, and to how to organize data. Uh, for your business in a way that can be used in other applications to just taking, uh, for example, taking up, uh, taking the opportunity to utilize certain applications for financial uh, aspects of their business, for legal aspects. So, again, it's they're connecting people with people. They're connecting mentors, well-seasoned professionals in the community with people who have uh, startup ideas uh, with the goal of ensuring success uh, once they uh, complete the incubation uh, period, there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do when, we, when I uh, had the folks here from uh, Salisbury, you know, I asked them the question: What types of businesses, other than healthcare, because we we talked about that a little bit, but right? Are there are other types of businesses or industries that you see. More moving to Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's moving to Chattanooga, and it's also uh, businesses that are being created. So, uh, with 10 gig, you have the unique opportunity to to obviously with that kind of bandwidth to dramatically inc- increase your productivity, uh, your workflow, uh, and to also uh, innovate and to create things that maybe haven't been uh, thought of. Uh, some examples, uh, 3D printing, and this is really taking off in Chattanooga. Um, the public library uh, has uh, 3D printing capabilities for the public to uh, to engage with, to learn about, to actually see. But uh, there are a couple of companies that I really wanted to highlight that have done an outstanding job of utilizing 3D printing, which, uh, as you know, requires a lot of bandwidth. And this is where uh, high-speed and ultra-high-speed broadband comes into play. But there's a company here in town called Feetz, F-E-E-T-Z. And they make make custom-fit shoes, and they will actually... uh, uh, take an image, take a photograph, and, and to measure your foot. And they will create footwear through 3D printing that is uh, absolutely phenomenal, uh, and it fits the way you walk, your stride, uh, all of that. Uh, and Feats has been a, a remarkable success, and they uh, were uh, an incubator uh, client as well. Another company that's really getting a lot of attention is called Branch Technologies. And they're using 3D technology for cellular fabrication. Well, what in the world is cellular fabrication, you may ask? Well, essentially, what they're doing is they're creating composite structures as wall assemblies. They're, they're essentially changing the way uh, building materials are used in the construction of homes and businesses. 
where they're using uh, certain materials that are that are very strong, very lightweight, um, using uh, mesh and cellular type construction techniques with 3D uh, to develop those. And I can tell you, those guys are getting a lot of attention from investors. Uh, I believe they're also working with some of the folks at Oak Ridge National Laboratories. Uh, so they're revolutionizing the way homes are built. Um, and another really cool company here uh, that's about three years old now in Chattanooga is called Custom 3D Solutions. And they uh, will manufacture uh, anything from parts and equipment needed for industrial applications to the home do-it-yourselfer. So if you're a handyman around the home or you're a hobbyist and you find that uh, you've lost or you need a certain tool or a certain nut or bolt or a certain piece of hardware and you just can't find it, well, uh, come to Custom 3D Solutions, and, and either with a, an iPhone picture or with specs available online, they can create that part for you. Um, okay. So it's, it's and, you know, Custom 3D Solutions, have, they've really uh, grown, and uh, it's exciting to see what, what they're doing with 3D technology. But that's just one area that could capitalize on this type of uh, high-speed and ultra-high-speed uh, bandwidth. Um, we're looking at also at film and video production. And uh, as you know, uh, videos are really taking off in terms of things that do for, people do for personal reasons. Companies are releasing videos uh, that tell the company story, or maybe they're developing how-to videos for using their products. Um, and that area of video production is really growing. Gaming um, is a huge multi-billion-dollar industry. And what's funny is uh, you talk to gamers here in Chattanooga. And they are sometimes accused of cheating uh, when they win because their connections are so fast. And gamers right. will tell you that having a slow connection is, is a disadvantage. But also getting back to the uh, medical imaging and, and diagnostics, uh, that's huge. We're only going to see that grow. And, of course, I couldn't leave out software development, big data. You know, right. What do you do with all this data and, and how do you develop uh, new and great things? Um, the automotive industry has shifted south uh, in recent years. Volkswagen built their uh, their uh, U.S. Uh, production facility here in Chattanooga, and they are now uh, in the process of completing an engineering and research facility for North America here in Chattanooga. So, you know, these are examples of facilities that would need that. Um, and I also want to mention our public schools. Um, that type of uh, connectivity is vital for schools. As you know, in the classroom, they're getting away from paper books and gradually getting to uh, online education and electronic books. So by having that connectivity, it's it's really going to be a great thing for schools to uh, keep up with uh, education and, uh, and really keep kids interested in, in being innovators and creating things. Mm -hmm. um, that reminds me... Um when uh, when we were talking, well, I was talking to uh, the uh, point person from Salisbury. He had talked a little bit about um, the need to in increase the Wi-Fi capability, and he mentioned the um, the schools moving to um, uh, computers versus books, textbooks. Right. And uh -huh. um, do you seeing the will you be seeing the same kind of dynamic with what your schools are doing with moving from text uh, books to computers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're we're, we're seeing uh, there's a couple of uh, school districts in the uh, within the uh, twenty twenty five mile area uh, that are going this way or have converted. One of them is uh, Whitfield County, Georgia, uh, which is just south of Chattanooga across the border where they're going to uh, mobile devices in the classrooms that are getting completely away with, uh, from books. You know, the advantage there is that uh, updating the, uh, the, the materials is just a matter of downloading the newest version of the text. But also, uh, kids are able to engage with all the online supplemental education opportunities that are available. Uh, for example, Khan Academy, um, which has mm -hmm. proven very successful for kids that uh, you know, perhaps the old traditional way of, you know, chalkboards and books um, wasn't as effective a means of uh, teaching kids uh, mathematics, for uh, for example. Um, there are applications online that can help kids uh, grasp concepts of, of mathematics and science. So absolutely, this is this is where that is going. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I know that you have a restriction, um, a state restriction on expanding beyond your service area. Um, yep. But can you uh, continue to grow the business in Georgia? Because Georgia has no restriction right now. They don't. Well, uh, Georgia, there's there's some uh, aspects of the law that uh, we are seeking some clarification uh, with elected officials uh, just across the state line. So uh, we've, we're working there to, to clarify what can and cannot be done with municipal providers. On the Tennessee side, uh, absolutely, the, uh, the State General Assembly, they did pass uh, restrictions that uh, will not allow municipal providers uh, like EPB, to uh, expand outside their electric footprint. Um, and as you probably know, the FCC uh, made a decision that essentially preempted uh, those state laws. However, uh, just as quickly as that ruling came out, uh, states and uh, some of the uh, uh, telecom and cable providers immediately went to court, uh, and they're suing to block that. Um, so what we are doing at this point is working with the state delegation, uh, working with agriculture, uh, education, business uh, in Tennessee uh, to make elected officials aware of the fact that there are rural areas or many areas in the state that are uh, extremely underserved. And for them to progress and to move forward uh, as a viable community, they have got to have high-speed broadband. So um, we're getting more and more support uh for, for those uh, type of barriers to be removed, um, more of the state elected officials are engaged in the process. They're actually working with people in their communities uh, to spread the word uh, amongst other legislators. So we feel really good uh, about the message that's being delivered uh, to elected officials, and we'll have to see where the General Assembly goes uh, when they reconvene in January. Right, because wasn't the deal that... Um the the I guess the opponents of municipal networks um, forced the the bill that would have re- removed some of those restrictions. Basically, they pushed it into um, into next year. Uh, well, we just yeah, we there were two bills uh, there in in the state house and in the state senate, and we felt. Uh, given uh, the dynamics, um, that it would probably be best to table it for a year um, just to to, to gather forces. Um, As you could probably imagine, there was a very heavy lobbying effort uh, on behalf of uh, the private industry to uh, maintain the status quo and uh, basically uh, prevent local communities from being able to decide their own uh, broadband future. Um, and we obviously are of a different opinion. We believe that municipals have a vital role to play in the state to uh, being able to reach out to people who otherwise wouldn't have this type of connectivity. Uh, so by tabling it for a year, um, we have been able to engage with leaders in business, in politics, uh, in agriculture, in education, and especially in the healthcare business, Um to work with them so that we make sure that all of the elected officials in Tennessee um, are are very much aware of the needs that there are in the communities that they represent uh, and to make sure that they understand um, that they have the power to, to give local communities that ability to decide, you know, what is best for them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I mean, needless to say, I've been fighting this fight for, you know, for a decade um, you know, I, I, I sort of thought about this uh, the last few days, you know, after I first heard about um, um, Chattanooga's moving to, to 10 gigs. Um, isn't it fairly obvious to, uh, you know, anyone with a brain, practically, um, that you have a case where cities are developing this incredible next-generation technology. And if you ask the question, well, what have 
we've gotten from the large incumbents, you know, it seems like there's really no contest because you've got, you know, uh, you guys and and Salisbury, there's, you know, I think uh, 50 or 60 um, gigabit networks across the, 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 the country. And who's, who else is doing this? You know, it's sort of like, you know, like it's like we're, we're you know, it seems like the, the, the government folks, uh, you know, both in Washington and in different state houses, is that, you know, doesn't even logic seem to come in the play and say, you know, the cities are the only ones that are doing it. I mean, and you look at, like, you know, obviously you, uh, EPB is a fairly decent-sized organization, but in Salisbury, you know, it's it's basically, um, you know, their IT department. We're talking about, you know, what, maybe a dozen people that are creating this um, this 10 gigabit infrastructure, right? And if they can do it, you know, with, with that, um, you know, small a workforce, you know, imagine what the other cities could do. And it seems sure. like we just to get to understand to get the government folks to understand that you know the city's where it's at right now sure well craig uh one of the things that we believe uh, firmly is that competition is good and competition uh, ultimately benefits the consumer um so as i mentioned earlier there really wasn't a lot of competition in chattanooga before epb entered the communications business uh so essentially people had one provider uh, and in some areas, they may have had a choice of another provider, but but the choices were were, were slim. So I think uh, what has happened in Chattanooga, and I believe this really mirrors other communities where you've had the municipal providers step up to the plate and and, and up the game. And and in Chattanooga, we have seen our competitors number one increase the speed, dramatically increase the speed since the launch of fiber optics of their products, uh, and they've also held the line on their prices. Um, you know, one of the complaints that was echoed uh, throughout the community was the price keeps going up, but the speed is, is staying slow. Well, right. the competitors in the Chattanooga market have increased speed, they've maintained prices, um, and, 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 and they're obviously they're competing uh, for that home or small business uh, to sign up. But we think the competition is good because it leads to innovation. Uh, it leads to a better product for the consumer. And look at the the, the broader picture where, uh, you know, in the last five years there's been an explosion of municipalities that uh, have either started or are in the process of planning a municipal fiber project. Well, at the same time, look at where the, the private providers are going. AT&T, just in the last few years, has started rolling out uh, high, ultra-high-speed connectivity in certain communities, in parts of certain communities. We've seen that with Google. Um, we understand Verizon Files is, is looking at upgrading uh, in the future as well. So um, I think that's where the municipals are, are really leading in this case is the innovation and, and, and getting uh, the competition going by offering very competitive products at competitive prices. Uh, and again, you know, competition is good. Uh, it, it's great when a customer has several choices available to them. Uh, we obviously believe we're the best choice in this community because not only do we have a superior product, but as a municipal, we're able to provide local 24-7 customer support. And, and, and that adds to the value of the product you're selling. You know, it's it's great to have a fast connection, but but do you also have the support from someone locally who's available anytime you need them? And, and I think that's where EPB uh, adds even more value to that product, as would other municipalities. Right, and I um, uh, recently uh, completed my my book, um, Building the Gigabit City. And one of the things um, in this new um, edition of the book is that uh, I basically equate um, customer service with marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people sort of as two, they look at it as two different uh, disciplines, but in reality, 
uh, at least when we're talking about um, broadband networks, customer service is your main marketing tool. I mean, that's, sure. at least, that's why I look at it. And, um, sure. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, we have a, a dedicated staff here, not only on the customer uh, service side, uh, but also on technical support. Um, and that's one of the things we hear from our customers, um, especially from people who are not uh, tech-savvy. Um, they may have questions about, uh, well, how do I do this with my TV or my video on demand, or how do I do this with, you know, how do I download uh the right uh, security suite for my uh, for my computers or engage in parental controls, and, and that really uh, adds tremendous value to that product. And it, from a marketing perspective, uh, it makes it easy to market the product when you're able to tell the customer that we stand behind the product that that we're selling you, um, and we stand ready to make sure that that you have a uh, a good experience with that product. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, I just would want to reiterate for the audience, you know, the uh, the the strength, the marketing strength of a um, community network in the face of all outrageous kind of competition and pricing and everything else, the ability to say your neighbor was will help you solve your broadband issues. And um, that is is that's goal. That's marketing goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that closeness, that the fact that it's your neighbor, mm-hmm. has, you know, I think has a just a huge uh, impact. Absolutely. You know, as, as Chattanooga has evolved here in recent years, and we've developed the innovation economy uh, in the heart of downtown. Um, one of the things that has really uh, taken off uh, very well here are things that are locally produced, especially when it comes to produce. You know, it wasn't just uh, 10 years ago, uh, there wasn't a lot of locally uh, produced vegetables and fruit uh, here in this area or, or anything for that matter. And that has really accelerated where I think our culture here in this community and the mindset is that um, Chattanoogans, we like to invest uh, in people and products that are local, because all of those dollars stay in the local economy. But right. but you know when we do that, uh, we basically enhance quality of life for everyone. We're creating jobs for people locally. We're creating better products. I mean, I can go now in in specialty supermarkets, uh, health food stores in town, or I can go to the uh, the big box uh, commercial names. And I can go into the produce section, and I can find a section where I'll find locally produced apples or locally produced vegetables. Mm-hmm. And it's a big draw. I mean, people really like the fact that, you know, someone, you know, a neighbor in their community produced this. And I think that's really the mindset that has uh, been behind uh, the rebirth of Chattanooga's downtown. Um, mm-hmm. We cannot build enough apartments and enough condominiums and homes in the downtown area to keep up with the need because people want to live in the heart of the city. Uh, they want to have all of these amenities available to them from locally produced products to up to 10 gigabit speed Internet. Uh, so I, I, I really, uh, I'm, it, it's amazing to look at the culture and the mindset of this community, uh, really focus on the local aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a minute, and so I want one last question. So, okay, what's next? You know, is it going to be uh, twenty days, <laughs> thirty? What's next? What's, what's on the horizon in in thirty in uh, sixty seconds? Okay, I think what's on the horizon is anything. I think uh, the future is wide open, and it's just as big as uh, people can dream. And I think by having this this robust uh, platform, the fiber optic network in Chattanooga, uh, that basically gives us the foundation to work on. Um, it is future-proof, and I think uh, basically our imaginations are the limit. Uh, yes, we just rolled out 10 gig ubiquitous throughout the community. You mentioned 20, 30 down the road. I think it's obvious uh, that that we're going to need faster speeds as we move along in time. Uh, and the neat thing about change these days is change happens more rapidly. And Chattanooga is prepared for that. I think we're well poised uh, to meet the uh, the demands and expectations of the future. So we don't see a limit. We don't believe that 10 gig is the limit. And uh, 
you know, we'll see where we are five years from now. But but I think it's safe to say that we'll continue to grow as the community grows. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Thank you very much, John. <laughs> I really I really appreciate you taking the time, and especially on short notice. So thanks thanks again for uh, you know, and where you guys going? And good luck. Yeah, thank you, Craig. It's been my pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. All righty. Take care. And you folks, I will talk to you tomorrow when we're talking co-ops again. Take it easy. Goodbye.